Welcome to today's podcast. This is going to be the only time I do this intro, so if I muck it up halfway through, it doesn't matter. It's going to be raw. We are broadcasting live from the home of the British Army because it's far sexier to say than older shot. But on the line, I've got Tom. Tom, how are you? Very well, thank you. Still in the heart of Wales, rugby's capital. Are they still buoyed by their uh, rugby exploits or is it now sort of dampened down a bit? Uh, to be honest, I've paid that little attention to the union that I wouldn't even be able to tell you <laughs> whether they're still on a high or not. Fine. And then the actual person we have anywhere close to Grimsby, Ian, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? It, yeah, I'm fine. Just to report, Grimsby is still there and everything is working fine. Uh, well, it's working as fine as it ever does in Grimsby. The 9X is still running. <laughs> yeah, I think it's changed now just to the 9, so... Don't look for that one when you come back up. What was the difference? Because there used to be two different ones. Because you used to have the 3F and the 3C. And I think the 3F used to go up Freeman Street. And then the 3C used to go down... I don't know. You know, I honestly couldn't tell you what the difference was. No, we all drive now. Who cares? Um, <laughs> fine. Brilliant. Well, there is nothing to say. We're good. I don't like it. It's unnerving. Uh, we do have one defeat to speak of, but we won't really pay much attention to that. But let's start there, briefly at least. It was Scunny's first ever win at Blundell Park since 1987. It was in the pathetic leasing trophy. It was men against boys. And Paul Hurst finally got his first win under his belt. Now, obviously, Ian, you had busier, bigger fish to fry done that day. Uh, but did any of you catch the highlights or any reports on it or any thoughts on what is a pointless game? Uh, do you know what? I went to the extent of boycotting so much that I've not even seen any highlights. I barely even saw the team that was put out, to be honest with you. Good stuff. Well, Matty Pollock, captain at the tender age of 17. Some some discussion whether or not he was the youngest captain we've ever had. Obviously, Ryan Bennett uh, was a captain at the similar age as well. I think it was decided that Ryan Bennett was younger, but I think Matty Pollock was actually younger for starting the game as a captain. Obviously, when Macca came off, I think at Shrewsbury, he passed the, the uh, band over to Bennett. Uh, so uh, some sort of... Who cares? That was stupid. Uh, and <laughs> and Tom, any thoughts on it? Anything you came f- away from it with? No, same as Ian. Good, brilliant. Okay, that was it. They lost 2-1. No one cares. Uh, and then go on to the real stuff. So on that same day, Ian, you put forward the boycott game, which went ahead with the Iron Brew team. How did it go? Uh, yeah, it went... Uh, very very well it was as it should have been really uh, thanks again just to the Iron Brew guys I'm sure they're not going to be listening to this podcast let's be realistic but if you uh, are you know just hang on yeah, just, a just... Se- just a second if you are <laughs> you're fucking terrible it's hilarious <laughs> you have more points in the leasing trophy than you do in the league they've loaned them yeah <laughs> 10 million doesn't buy you what it used to I tell you <laughs> Uh, but no, it was it was a very good game played in the right kind of spirit, of course, um, between both sets of fans, uh, really showing what it should be about for lower league fans at the end of the day in terms of that coming together. You know, happy to shout at each other in the stands uh, in the right way. Um, but I say on the night, 
you sort of had 25 guys there who all played a game in the right sort of spirits, everybody trying to play football and plenty of money raised for charity. We're looking at hopefully around about £550 at the moment raised um, and some food collection as well for the um, for the bank as well. Perfect. But most importantly, what was the score? Uh, the Internet Mariners won 9-1. I mean, I've, I follow the Internet Mariners um, from a distance. That sounds a rarity. I don't know what you mean by that, Alex, honestly. <laughs> um, we, uh, we've we never professed to be uh, of any great standard. We're just a bunch of guys who enjoy playing the game at the end of the day. Um, but no, it was, uh, I mean, fair play to the Iron Brew team because they did say to me that they're mainly a five-a-side team. So they've kind of just um, bumped up their numbers to make sure they had a side to play us and uh, give their side of the boycott as well. Um but, but yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, they might even, uh, and I understand, I'm going to try and convince them to get into the league that the Internet Mariners play in as well. So hopefully we'll have a few more Groomsby Scunthorpe games in the future as well. That'd be brilliant. And obviously, if these ties continue, obviously Scunthorpe's, does, if their demise continues, they can have a league club to support as well locally uh, when they're in non-league. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, they'll probably get more attendance anyway than they get at uh, Glanford Park as it stands. I know, but I'm still quite jealous that they've got a terrace. I, I still get a slightly jealous of it. Granted, it's a baked bean tin, but still. Glad, <laughs> glad to hear. Fantastic work. Obviously, uh, continued efforts. It's great that it's been publicised and we're doing it. Um, and long may it continue because um, no one's going to give this competition any sort of credit. Tom, do you have any thoughts on the competition? Do you want to reiterate things we've spoken about before? Are you, you okay to move on? Yeah, let's move on. Cool. Right. Port Vale. Was all right, Tom. You were there. How was it? Um. Yeah, first half was a bit drab, to be honest with you. Uh, I saw Scott at half time and said hello to him and just sort of pointed to the pitch and shrugged my shoulders and he did exactly the same. It was that kind of half, really. Feels like it was quite a while ago now. <laughs> And then the second half, we just came absolutely flying out the blocks and blew them away, really. Let them back in the game with a sloppy goal. Both the goals we conceded were sloppy, has to be said. Uh, if we could cut that out, we'd be a much stronger team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we scored some really good goals. My dad made the good point at half-time in that game that there's been a lot of talk about how... Uh, people sort of wondering whether we're a long ball team because we allegedly launched the ball up to James Hansen. Um, and everybody seems to have forgotten that we did that to Andy Monkhouse when we got promoted from the conference. Uh, I think the difference is with Hansen personally that, uh, I think I may have mentioned it on the last pod, that Hansen wins a lot of headers, so you notice it more. Yes. Before, when we were putting balls forward to someone, they weren't winning as many headers, so it kind of paled into insignificance. But if you actually look at the goals we scored against Port Vale, we scored a really good variety of goals. We scored like uh, the first goal was from a, a set piece move. Uh, the yeah. Jay uh, Green's goal was from a through ball when he beat the offside trap. Yeah. Um, the new lad who used to play for Lincoln, whose name now escapes me. Whitehouse or Green? Uh, not Whitehouse, the other one. Waterford. Waterford. 
his goal, that was like a little passing move which resulted in a crossing the box and then a diving header. I think we've shown great variety. And then I thought Waterfalls was from a corner. Uh, I thought it was like a, from a cross out wide, which had been sort of passed around beforehand. I'm, I may be wrong remembering that now. But then obviously the Ogbu goal, we sort of worked that into the box and then yeah. he was there to pounce on the knockdown. So I, I think we've actually got and demonstrated so far this season quite a good variety going forward. And it's not all just James Hansen winning he- headers. What we have got in James Hansen is is a, a reliable outlet if we need to go long, which is a refreshing change to recent seasons. Definitely. Sorry about that. Um, my dog decided to walk in and start uh, going at the bowl of water. So are you done? Good. You can leave now. <laughs> Good. Great. Uh, brilliant. So, I mean, all in all, it was a, a, a half-decent game. Now, obviously, one thing that's worth talking about, we've been behind in the six league games that we've been in, and this was brought to, to our attention by Tom Drant, that um, out of the five, six games we've been in, uh, played in, the first in behind first in five of them, but we've only lost one. No other team has come back from more, more goals or, or more deficits so far. I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Um, but is it a sign of our fitness? Because we've scored more goals in the last 15 minutes than we ever have at the first uh, 15, uh, our first 15. Or is it something that we should be worried about as other teams start to get into the rhythm, get into the mood and, and, and sort of be able to dictate paces of games? Is this something that Jolly's worked on behind the scenes and we're fitter than most teams at the minute? Or is it just how the games have gone? Uh, uh, Ian, please decipher that question. <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, I, I mean, obviously, winning from behind is never a bad habit to have. Um, although you wouldn't want it to be a habit, if that makes sense, because you don't want to really be going behind in the first place. But, um, you know, you only have to look at, and I'm going to jump up quite a few leagues here, but, you know, look at what Liverpool were doing last year, quite often coming from behind. And that kind of mentality and determination, if you can instill that into a team, you're going to go a long way with it. Um, obviously, Tom mentioned a moment ago that the two goals you conceded against Port Vale were sloppy. And... Again, if you can start cutting those out and you've still got that same determination and motivation, etc., and your fitness with it, again, you're going to go a long way. Definitely. Do we, uh, my only worry about in in defence is our reaction to loose balls. So we can, uh, you guys won't have seen it, but the second goal we conceded against Scunny, obviously it's Matty Pollock and and, and others, but um, that was a loose ball in the area which we didn't react to quickly. Same against Forest Green when the ball hit. Um, our defender, apologies, name name eludes me. Um, hit our uh, defender who tried to get it, and the ball became loose, and they were the quickest to react. And the same happened in Port Vale for the first. So I don't. I think the second was more fortuitous than than sloppy. It seemed to sort of just slowly bobble in and just made it in. I mean, they go in anyway. But um, um, it's. Do you think there's a problem in terms of defence in reaction speeds, or is it just the just the way the ball has fallen uh, recently? Well, I think you uh, the argument would be that's sloppy because we haven't cleared a line yeah. in the first place, which is why it's dropped to someone's feet. So, yeah, it's sloppy. Cool. Um, yeah. Consider uh, me told. That's fine. I don't mind. I, I agree with Ian, though. I, I think it's a good mentality to have to be able to come back from behind. And I, I think since Jolly came in, I remember listening to a, a, uh, a podcast interview with uh, Macca 
and he said well, Jolly's first preseason was one of the hardest he's ever done, if not the hardest. I think fitness has always been a thing for Jolly. Um, but equally, I don't think falling behind in games on a regular basis is long-term a healthy thing because it, that always throws up the possibility of you throwing away points because you're not always going to be able to equalise. You're not no. always going to be able to then go on and win the game. So, yeah, we definitely need to cut that out. But, yeah, we should definitely be proud of our spirit to get back into games um, because it's it's a, it's an addition to the to the team, isn't it? The, it's, not a, it's not a negative, it's an addition, but we need to sort out the defensive errors in order to build on that. And do you think we're uh, maybe too reliant on Hansen? Obviously, there's quite a lot going on. Scored five goals, three assists so far. Um, seems to be nominated for every player of the month so far this season, apart from one, uh, for this for the, for what's been happening. Do you think we're too reliant on him? Or do you think just because he's been the focal point down the centre, um, it's not necessarily something we need to worry about? Because obviously, his injuries are a worry at times. He did play 34 games for Wimbledon last season. But... Um, do you think we're too reliant on him, or do you think it, we've just got to give it time? Uh, Ian, sorry, I think um, I don't necessarily think we're too reliant on him. At the end of the day, if you've got a player that is in form, you're always going to try and look for it because you know you're going to give the ball to your best players at the time. Um, it, there will no doubt come a point where maybe he's not having quite the same influence on games. Um, you know, obviously, goals and assists are up there at the moment. Um, that might slow up a little bit. Um, and it's then how the rest of the team can pick up some of that slack, if you like. I think there's a lot more to come from Ogbu as he gets used to things. Um, I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back because I think Cook has done very well in the last couple of games. Agreed. In the yeah. central midfield. Um, and again, it's, it's when Hanson does drop off what do the other players do to compensate that? And and Tom, what do you think about it? Obviously, Green and Ogbu are a great foil on either side. Do you think we've got a replacement ready made in, say, Green or anyone in case Hansen does get injured, or do you think there's? Uh, do you think we'll be quite comfortable as we are, or, or do you think we need to find another person that's similar to to, to Hansen in that mould as well? Uh, I think if um, you know, in the situation that. Hansen was unavailable for a run of games. I think we could probably quite easily slot into four four two and have Matt Green down the middle with someone playing off him, and then you've got Ogbu and say Wright who can play in the wide positions. Uh, I don't think it's a, a massive concern, especially when you look at the Port Vale um, score sheet, and we've got five different scorers. I think against yeah. Warsaw we have two different scorers. Uh, Whitehouse. Hansen, and it was handsome with the two. One was a penalty. Yeah, and we've had goals already from all over the park. Um, yeah. We've had goals from the the, uh, the centre half. We've had goals from midfielders, and we've had goals from strikers. So uh, yeah, it's, obviously it's we're on. we're hitting him in. But again, I, I fall back to the point about Andy Munkhouse. Anybody who went on a regular basis in that conference promotion season will remember that An Andy Munkhouse was pivotal to that side and. Hurst's team launched the ball to Monkhouse on the left wing an awful lot, and he won a lot of headers yeah. and, uh, or got behind someone to, to pick pick up the second ball. 
uh, and I don't see what the difference is. The only difference is, is that Hansen is winning probably double what anybody else is. So, of course, yeah. you're going to notice it. That's, that's just normal. It doesn't make us a long ball team. It just makes it uh, a tactic that you can turn to with uh, a greater degree of success. What I was going to ask is obviously we can we can touch on the uh, we can touch on the uh, Port Vale game and also the uh, Warsaw game. Two goals direct from headers, waterfalls and white houses. Just how terrified do you think teams are at the moment when we have a set piece and Matt Green, Hansen, Waterfall, uh, Omen are all in that box? Do you think it's uh, and it's obviously opens up opportunities for people like Whitehouse who have a little bit of space then to be able to make their mark. Obviously, quite a keen header of the ball as well. Do you just, I just want to take a moment to think how terrified a team must be when that situation happens. What are your thoughts on it? Should we go, Tom? Yeah, um, I don't think we're quite as terrifying as England were at the World Cup. <laughs> um, but what I do like about Jolly compared to Hurst, as we've just played Scunny in midweek, is that um, he does clearly work on set pieces and we do clearly have a, a, um, a range of set pieces that they go to, which aren't just launching the ball into the box and hoping that as someone gets ahead on it. They, they clearly work on stuff and, and moves that we, we use, like the, the goal against Port Vale from the free kick. That was obviously a training ground move. They didn't just come with, I don't think they came up with that on the day. I think they've worked on that. Three kicks within this range, we're going to try this or whatever. And I think it's the same with corners. And I think when you've got those people coming in onto it, you're just increasing your chances of scoring, aren't you? So, yeah, I think it's positive and teams probably are going to look at it deeper and- into the season. Um, but I, I don't think it's like a, a totally terrifying because obviously some of the other teams have got big players at the back and are going to be confident of their ability to defend it. Do you, um, also, it's worth uh, worth pointing out the, the quality of the balls being brought, put into the box as well. Hewitt seems to be fantastic at it. Um, he's offered some brilliant deliveries up there as well. You've got to have that, you've got to have that, um, that delivery just to make those level of quality. I mean, look at the ball that um, Hansen headed away. It was, it was there to be, it was there to be nutted, wasn't it? I mean, are you impressed with what the wing play has been like for the crosses to come into the box as well? Uh, Ian? I think that's definitely been one of our big improvements. I'm just thinking back to uh, wingers we've had recently, and there's been a lot of like hard-working wingers or shuttlers and things like that, but then the end product's been poor. And I'm trying to think back who we had. We had Jack McCreff and yeah. Colback. And the guy who uh, went to Bradford Park Avenue with the... I can't remember his name at the moment, I apologise. But we've had an awful lot of kind of, you know, shuttling wingers who have been up and down the pitch all game or people like Frankie Artis who've had maybe the ability to put a good ball in but never get into the position because they're slow or haven't got the physical attributes. It's nice to see people like Green and Hewitt. I know Hewitt's playing at fullback, of course, but getting into those positions and able to deliver at the same time. And just how many goals do you think we'd have scored during the Paul Hurst era if he was able to uh, to put a cross past the near post? Uh, obviously, that's something that seems to have really improved. Obviously, we've talked about working on set pieces. That delivery part of it as well, there seems to be a different array of opportunities for set pieces that 
are far in excess of, of what we've had before. Um, are there any other players as well that we may be missing out in terms of the, talking about our, de- our delivery and, and, and who really put those opportunities on a plate for the, the three up front? I think Ogbu deserves a mention in the sense that he's a bit like Bogle when Bogle first came. He's perhaps not like quite like he's a bit of a rough diamond, but when he does get the ball at his feet, you're not quite sure what he's going to do. And as he sort of gets used to English football um, at this level, you would hope that he, he might be able to start producing a few more moments where he gets past one or two players and he's able to put a crossing or even get a shot off. Um, I, I, and I quite, I think he's quite an exciting player to watch in that respect, in the same way that Bogle was when we had him. And 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 what about you, Ian? Is there anyone as well that's maybe gone under the radar that deserves a bit of praise that hasn't really been receiving it uh, of all the accolades that the sort of front three are getting? I'm not sure he's necessarily gone under the radar as such, but Hessen Thaler is absolutely huge for town this season. Um, I would argue, and we've talked a minute ago about what happens if Hansen's injured um, and can we cover yeah. for that. I actually think Hessenthaler is the one that is more important to the team at the moment. Um, with the donkey work, for want of a better phrase, that he's getting through midfield and the tackles and breaking things up. Um, and I'm not sure who else in the team at the minute would step into that position. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, there's, there's, there are rumours coming out at the moment that we're looking at extending the deal with him. Which can only be a positive thing, but he's been most most of the off, most of the stats that come out say most won tattle, tackles, tattles, most won tackles, most uh, most conversions won and turnovers won. There's he he is an absolute workhorse, isn't he? Yeah, I would agree with that. And if he goes down injured, uh, Forest Green away, and there was an audible push of sort of you know people gasping, thinking, oh god. Please don't let him be injured. Um, and then he got up and he was all right. And everybody breathed a big sigh of relief. So, and again against Port Vale, I think he had a really good game. So, Ian, yeah. I muted you while you were taking taking your stuff out of a bag. But apparently on Skype, I can't unmute you. <laughs> so you're going to have to do it. <laughs> Sorry about that. There, there you go. go. That's all right. I was... I was working as if I, I a bit of the behind the curtains thing. I do a lot of webinars for my work and stuff, and I can tend to just go in on my Skype for business and mute people as I go. Uh, so I was thinking I could do that with you, but it wouldn't allow me to unmute it. No one cares, but there you go. There's a little bit. Of Apologies, story. everybody. I'm working at the same time. That's so all right. We're all a bit of extra noise. <laughs> well, hopefully next week I'll be able to go on HMS Grimsby. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be uh, docked up in London. It's going to be a good opportunity to. To have a look around. I've never seen it when it's been in Grimsby. So nice little bit of uh, hometown in uh, in London. Um, so, I mean, we've been full of praise of everything. We are fourth in the league. We're going to face off against Crew Now, Crew. a little bit of a fact, have had more shots on target, 37, than anybody else in League 2. They've been flying high as well. They're currently third, um, playing some really attractive football. Um, uh, we've had 30 shots on target for anyone who, who would like to know that in comparison as well. What do you think uh, we can expect this uh, weekend? Tom, what are, you, what are you hoping for? What do you think will happen? Uh, and, and, and what are your thoughts, really? Uh, well, I haven't really been paying that much attention to crew, to be honest with you. Um, what I will say is that we seem to have an absolutely pitiful record against them in recent years. Uh, the, the game that sticks out for me 
against Crew was a home game where Zola was it? Who played up front for them? Was he called Calvin Zola? Yes. Uh, he had an absolute blinder. Uh, I think he scored a hat trick. We lost four one or four nil, and he he got a stand innovation when he came off in the second half. And then obviously there was the other season where they hit us for five at their place. Was that the big uh, knock game? It may well have been, yeah. Yeah. Um, they just don't. We don't really seem to, in from memory, have had any good results against them. Um, I don't even know where they are in the table. To third. be honest with you, the third. I think. Oh, so it's quite a big game, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. I didn't want to meet. I don't, I don't want to freak you out or anything on it. Yeah, I, mean, I think if we've been playing like we seem to have been playing two games, I've seen we played well. Um, if we play like that, we've got a good chance of getting something out of the game. Fantastic. What, what about you, Ian? How are you feeling about it? Positive. It's going to be a good measure of where we could end up this season. Obviously, it's, it's early days, but as you say, Crew seem to be a good attacking force. Uh, and we've been talking about our defence being a bit sloppy. I guess one thing would be as well, it's going to be a bit of a test of that mentality we were talking about earlier, because of course, Tuesday night is the game against Macclesfield um, in the League Cup, um, with then a good chance, I would say, of us going to Stamford Bridge and playing Chelsea. So you've got that question of, if it gets a little bit tough, how much are the players willing to go in not saying they'll deliberately pull out, but of course there's that subconscious thing of do you want to get a knock? Of course, yeah. Miss the opportunity to win the game against Macclesfield. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, I very much doubt that many of our players will have had the opportunity to play at Stamford Bridge against Premiership opposition. Um, I think Hansen has, and I don't know about any of the others. Mac- Macclesfield, who are seventh, by the way, and everybody. <laughs> we heard you to- typing it in. <laughs> We're going to walk this replay and uh, and, and go straight to Stamford Bridge. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying you're saying that, Ian, of course, but that it does seem to be a bit of an attitude that we are going to win this game easily and they're actually doing quite well themselves, aren't they? They're only a point behind us um, yeah. and they've actually got a better goal difference than Crew. Uh, crew, uh, my, my, my two penneth on Crew, really pretty side to look at, but I don't think they've come up against a physical challenge really yet. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how they cope with that. Um, and if you score against them, there's a good likelihood that you'll take the win because they've only scored, they only score a goal a game at the moment. And we tend to be obviously doubling that. So hopefully if we're getting those opportunities, we're always, always a threat from set pieces and from, from a counter-attacking opportunities, especially late on in games. We haven't really talked about that yet. Um, but um, it's a, it's an interesting thought and it's an interesting uh, opposition that's going to be coming up against in, uh, I think it's going to be more of an opportunity than we think because unlike some of the lower teams, they're going to be a team that come and play and they're going to be coming to look for a win and look for a po- looking to play attractive stuff. Uh, it won't be a team that sit back. And I think that's when we're going to start struggling, when people take us seriously, start putting, especially when we're at home, putting uh, 10 men behind the ball, playing it really tight, playing it really, really, uh, really deep. Uh, and we're having to sort of throw our opportunity to just launch it into the box and sort of putting it in the mixer, for want of a better phrase. Um, so I think it's going to be an entertaining game. And those of you lucky enough to be there are going to be in for a bit of a treat. Um, comes out nil-nil, two shots on target. That's uh, almost certainly guaranteed. Now yeah, all that, exactly. Alex. So, I mean, we will talk about Macclesfield. And Tom, you may have touched on the uh, sort of the um, the presumption that we'll beat them. Obviously, they're doing really well. And and something that we we made a point of on Twitter was to talk that these players currently still... I don't know what the financial situation currently is with Macclesfield, but it wasn't long ago that they were they hadn't been paid. 
they could well be playing for their wages if they're playing Chelsea. Um, so it's an added motivation, isn't it? Uh, something that not necessarily our players have got as a as a worry. Um, I don't even know who the manager is there now. Who do we know? He's who? Oh, and he's an Irish bloke. Oh, okay, so it's no longer Sol Campbell's Macclesfield, or do they yeah, keep the, Do they retain the name? No, it moves with him. It's like Frank Lampard's Derby is now Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Because I was <laughs> looking forward to Sol Campbell's uh, Sol, Cam- Sol Campbell's Macclesfield playing Paul Scholes's Oldham, and obviously if we get past. Uh, Sol Campbell's Macclesfield, we can play Frank Lampard's Chelsea. Um, you never know. We might even face Stephen Gerrard's Rangers. Um, uh, <laughs> I think we have to win it, don't we, to have any chance of that? Yeah, Europe first, mate, Europe. Um, <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> so there is an opportunity. Macclesfield, we won't have another podcast before then. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, we've t- we've touched on it already, but Tom, uh, take me through what your thoughts are on Macclesfield. Do you think... It was obviously nil-nil. I don't know how long we were in before we decided to, uh, before the gods decided to rain it upon us. Um, but um, about was, forty minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, I hadn't seen much of it because I can't follow it on the old I follow. Um, so, do you, what do you think our chances are, and do you think it's going to be a an easy win, or do you think we're going to be something that we might be disappointed about? No, I think um, I think it's going to be a tough game. They're going well in the league, and, and as you said, if they are still in financial trouble, that's a massive incentive for, for them to uh, to get some money in the coffers. Uh, I think the only bonus of it really is for anybody who is going, compared to the the first game where I think there was only like two thousand <laughs> people. people there, um, there'll probably be a bumper gate now, because yeah. uh, people. I think they put on the website, didn't they? You've got to go to the crew game and the Macclesfield game if you're not a season ticket holder, um, member thing, that new exiles and what have you thing they're doing, or a trust member. Um, that'll be the next port of call. So, you know, if we do get through, I think people like us have got absolutely no chance of getting a ticket uh, unless Chelsea give a bigger allocation. Yeah, I'm gonna, well. Thankfully, I've got a southern address, so I should be all right. Uh, I just to get my um, unfortunately, my father-in-law is a big Chelsea fan, so I'll get him to ring up for me with his little membership. Uh, <laughs> and uh, get That's the thing I'd quite see them selling out if we do get whoever they play, whether they play Macclesfield or Bridge, they? Yeah, they'll sell forty thousand tickets for that game, are they? <laughs> no. <laughs> we might as well just all just just be honest. Look, mate, we're either going to go in the away way end or in the home end, or you can just give us more. Uh, I did check on press passes. We were, we can't get them, I'm afraid. So we can't booze it up and smooze it up in the uh, gods while um while we're jealously looking on at the four thousand. But let let's let's entertain it. Just for a... sorry before you move on from the yeah. press passes. My mate Dom uh, covers uh, Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, he raves about the food at Stamford Bridge. Does he? <laughs> okay, I yeah. might be a bit more a uh, bit bit more focused on it now. Um, <laughs> But let's let's entertain the thought for a minute. If we if we are to pass Macclesfield, because we probably won't be able to speak until that reality sets in that we do lose two nil. Um, um, if we do play Chelsea, what do you think of our uh, our chances? They're not doing particularly well defensively. Frank Lampard seems to uh, have it played like Frank Lampard used to play as a footballer. Not very good at sort of going from attack to defence. Uh, quite leaky. Uh, we we're good for a goal. Do you think there'd be an upset on the cards? Uh, Ian? Tough to say. I mean, there's always potential at the end of the day. You never know with these things. And I was just thinking back, actually, Chelsea have had a few shocks, haven't they, really? Lost um, to Bradford. 
lost to Bradford. Did Scunthorpe run them close not that long ago? In the uh, yeah, they did. And uh, Hansen scored, I think, for Bradford as well. He did, I believe, yeah. Um, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Because I would expect that Chelsea would probably not go with, uh, I was going to say, not their first team stars, but a lot of them are playing a young players anyway, aren't they, at the moment? But yeah. It, I suppose it's very... There's definitely a risk when you are a Premiership footballer of taking it lightly against a League Two team, and you never know if you get things right, kind of what's going to happen. I mean, look, even look at last year against Palace, you know, playing with ten men for basically ninety minutes, yeah, and still almost sneaking a draw out of the game. Yeah, um, and poor Mitch Rose was having to run around with Zaha in his pocket. So I mean, well, yeah, the, the added weight back. on that alone, yeah. So, you know, you never know. It's it's just an on-the-night thing, isn't it? I would like to think Grimsby would have done at the very least go and give a good account of ourselves. Yeah. Um, as for whether there's a chance of a shock, I think that would... Listen, we say that we don't think Grimsby are playing long ball. I would be almost certain that most of that <laughs> night we would be playing long balls. James Hampson hoping for the click-ons. Um, and I think a lot of it would almost come down to that then as to whether Hampson's got the ability to maybe bully a couple of youngish, slightly inexperienced centre-halves, although they'd probably play the guy who was on loan at Derby last year, um, Tamori. Um, so you're not really talking about bad players. Um, but, again, it comes down, I guess, to whether Hansen can use some of his physicality and a bit of the nous that he's picked up in the uh, in the leagues over his time. Well, well, lads, I, I've got the inside track now. Some of you might not be aware of this, but Oldershot have got quite a, a good relationship with Chelsea and they play their under-23 and under-21 games down here at the uh, old recreation ground. Uh, seen them a few times play. Very technically gifted, but there is always that, um, that in terms of their, their strength and their attitude, they obviously they're coming only coming up against very similar to, to themselves. But there's something there that I think there's an opportunity. And, and Tom, I want to paint a picture to, for you. It's, it's five minutes to go. It's nil-nil. Um, we've had one shot on target, which was from 45 yards out. Uh, and Chelsea have a corner. They have loaded the box, trying to get that. Frank Lampard is under pressure for as a manager. And if he thinks he loses to Grimsby, he could well be out of a job. That ball is in, headed away by Waterfall to both Akeem Rose and Max Wright, who are stood on the halfway line. And the chase is on as it's, it goes two, two, two and one, two on one. Do you think that's likely? What are your thoughts? And, 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 uh, what do you think could happen if 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 it was ever to come to come to fruition? Uh, so, I mean, if that was likely that with five minutes to go, it's nil nil, and Chelsea <laughs> loaded the box, I can't see us leaving two on the halfway line. <laughs> We've got uh, no Russell Slade anymore, mate. There's no powerpoints. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? I, I think um, I think you would like to think that. Uh, Jolly would have some sort of game plan. Obviously, they had a, a, a fixed game plan against Palace, which went to pot when um, we lost. A no, man that was all part of the plan. Second, um, but I, I think he's tactically. I think he's he, he, he can be quite good. So if we did go into a big game like that, yeah, I would fancy our chances of at least you know running him close for a quarter of an hour. <laughs> <laughs> It's going well. Thirteen minutes in. <laughs> yeah, and obviously we're we're just we're just playing and we're just sort of entertaining ourselves. Obviously, we will lose two 0 to Macclesfield. 
Um, but um, that's how it is. Nice little bit of to dream for a moment. I've always said the League Cup is far kinder to us than the FA Cup ever has. Who thinks uh, an away tie at Crystal Palace is a, a dream tie for us? Thanks for that, guys. Uh, and just gives us, tends to be Stockport at home uh, when I was a kid, if I remember rightly. But um, there we are. I mean, it's it's something to dream of. Uh, we've got Crew first, then it's Macclesfield. Uh, and then tickets, obviously, there's 4,000, and you can look at the website if that was ever to come to fruition. But first and foremost, get yourself down. It is some entertaining football at the moment. Is there anything else anyone would like to cover before we uh, say our goodbyes? Yeah, we should. Uh, we ask people to um, send in questions, and people have done. We already touched on Tom Drant's question. James Crocker asks question: Have Grimsby started the season too well and set the expectation bar too high? Uh, are fans going to turn when we hit that rough patch? Well, my answer to that would be they're Grimsby fans. <laughs> <laughs> if we go 1-0 down after 10 minutes. So if we hit a rough patch where we've lost three out of four, yes, they will probably turn. Hey, if we lose 1-0 to Chelsea, then my jolly banner's coming right out. <laughs> uh, what's everybody else's thoughts on uh, have we started the season too well? Uh, I mean, it sounds a little bit of a strange comment to me. If, you got, if you're wanting to be up there, which presumably Jolly is, and I think there's been a comments from a couple of the players that have come in saying that's what Jolly said he's looking for, to be at the right end of the table, then you want to be starting. Well, you know, you, you don't want to be giving yourself ground to make up. It's a little bit like we've said about going 1-0 down, isn't it? In an ideal world, you don't want to be having to make up ground because um, then it takes things out of your hands. As for the, are we going to get comments if we lose a couple of games? Yeah, probably. I don't know if that's any different to any club, though, to be honest. I think you look at any club now, especially with social media the way it is, and if they lose a game or two, straight away there's comments about people not being good enough or the manager needs to change things or anything and anything and everything like that. You know, 1-1-0 one, one, defeat and it's a ruined branch rip out of the club and a couple of wins on the bounce and all of a sudden everything's perfect, so... That's just the way football support is, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, yeah, and my thoughts on it are League Two is a, a shit show for, for me. I mean, it's only going to get more complicated with the Berry and Bolton sagas. But um, even last year, there was a point in which we all thought we had a chance of going into the playoffs. And we were fucking terrible. Like, so at any point, there is an opportunity to get in that. It took 71 points last season to get into the playoffs. Uh, that's what Newport got. Uh, Trammer, who went up, had 73. Uh, we've already got 12. And we're literally, we've only just come out of August. There's on, there's there's no there's no bad opportunity. If we're, the three points that we get now are, exa- are the same amount and of the same importance of the ones that we are going to be begging for and worrying about for 72 hours before we play them in May and April. The, so we might as well get them in the bag now and um, it's going to be a ride. And at least until December, I would say, we are still going to be thinking about ourselves as playoff contenders. Uh, and that's what League 2 drives everybody mad about, because you can be 12th and you can still only be eight points off league, uh, eight, uh, eight points off the playoffs. And it, you're still dreaming of it until March. So never a bad thing to be starting well. It might change the expectations, but um, that can sometimes be a good thing if fans are spurring you on. Um, and and setting your sights higher, 
it might even mean we can attract better players in January if uh, Jolly's is looking at someone in particular. Yeah, uh, and that, I think that leads nicely into Mariners Football's question, who's and you've what, somewhat answered it. Uh, given MJ's excellent recruitment and more added in January, if necessary, is a top seven finish realistic for town this season? My answer to that would be at the moment, yes. Ask us at Christmas. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you, you never know, do you? you? You never know. We could get injuries left, right, and centre. We could be exceptionally lucky and not have any. But um, uh, it, it all depends. Ian, any other any other points to add to those wonderful questions? Uh, nothing that jumps out. I think you're both bang on. It's it's what happens at Christmas, isn't it? You know, get the points on the board early. If you're around there, just keep fighting, basically. Yeah, and and just before we go, just a, a nice little thing to see. Uh, Elliot Hewitt and Matt Green uh, spending some time with a, a poor lad who'd been in a. He's spent most of his summer holidays in hospital playing a bit of FIFA with them. That was nice to see. Great to see the club out in the community doing some great work. Uh, long may it continue. Um, thank you all very much for listening to us. We'll be back in a fortnight um, and uh, we'll hopefully have a lot of exciting news to talk about. We might even be able to do a London, London podcast if, um, if um, we end up coming down here, apart from for uh, Leighton Orient. Uh, so thank you all for your time. Thank you for listening to us. Tom, I will let you say goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming for the next pod. And uh, Ian, thank you very much for your time. Well no done problem. on the boycott. Thank you. Really proud of it, really, man. You've done a great job. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, yeah, just to reiterate, thanks to everybody who's donated. I will just say briefly, um, if people want to have a look at the Twitter, the link is still open for a couple of weeks to donate. Um, so the Twitter account is at IMIFC. Um, and again, anything that comes in is still appreciated. Of course, we'll, we'll put it in the descriptions of the podcast as well. We're going to put Perfect. this on Spotify, but it seems to be prattling around. So apologies, but it will be up there soon. Um, make sure you spread the words. If you want to leave a review, please do. Apparently it helps with algorithms. I don't know. I've just heard people say it. Um, uh, if you want to leave a kind review, you're more than welcome to. If you don't want to, fuck off. Uh, but um, thank you very much again for your time. And we'll see you in a fortnight. Thank you. Bye. Bye.